The following is a recording of the Fall 2021 Shuso Hosen Ceremony at Zen Mountain Monastery. This auspicious event took place at the conclusion of our Fall Ongo training period, for which Denya Chike Levister served as Shuso, or Chief Disciple. The recording includes Chike's first public talk as a senior student of the Mountains and Rivers Order, followed by Dharma Encounter, an opportunity for the Sangha to pose questions to Chike about the substance of her talk. The recording concludes with a series of poems offered by friends and teachers congratulating Chike on her development as a student of the way. You can find out more about Ango training and the role of the chief disciple on our website at zmm.org slash ongo. That's zmm.org slash a-n-g-o. Attention! From the True Dharma Eye, Zen Master Dogen's 300 koans. Case number two, the main case. Zen Master Siyun Huangbo asked his teacher, Bai Zhang Huaihai, how can we explain the teaching that has been handed down? Bai Zhang remained seated in silence. Huang Bo said, if so, what will people in the future receive? Bai Zhang said, they will say, you are a true person. Then he returned to the abbot's room. The poem. When the Dharma wheel turns, it always goes in both directions, cutting through vines and entanglements, the old adept closes the gap with their body. This ongo, um, we have, I have received many lessons from the teachers, and, and one of the ones that Um, resonated with me as the source for examining this koan is that Zen practice is personal, deeply personal. So I am offering my understanding of this koan from that perspective. So there are two places in my life where I get stuck. Words, I overuse them. And with appearances, they've caused me troubles in my life. And this koan addressed both of those things in a way that I thought was powerful. So I thought it might be helpful to practice and work with it, work with my practice in this way. Uh, In terms of words, um, they're a really central part of my life and my work. Um, didactic, I use, have used words in my life for defensiveness. Um, I've been very professionally rewarded in my career by my use of words. Um, I also have used words throughout most of my life to please people, to stay safe, to de-escalate drama, in the family I grew up in, and many other spaces. 
So words in my life have been in part skillful, helpful, and in part a way that I disconnect, a way that I disconnect from meeting a person in a situation. My childhood was a chaotic one. Uh, It included neglect and poverty, racism, and, (coughs) and that combination of realities led to my development as a child, um, to a way of interacting with with people that was hypervigilant, hypervigilant. Watch body language. Make sure you are safe. Make sure you can anticipate what's going to come next because if you can and you can smile or make a joke or say some kind of word, you can stay safe in that situation. So humor, um, being super helpful, explaining, justifying, even to myself, justifying. These words, I realized in the context of my practice, also helped give me a little bit of self-worth. Huangbo asks, how can we explain the teaching that has been handed down? The teaching, the way, the Dharma, Zen training, explain the Dharma. Explain the Dharma. Explaining is the problem. Daito Roshi in his commentary says, try to avoid this at all costs. (laughs) Why? Why? Uh, We know from our training, Bodhidharma um, said, a special transmission outside the scriptures, no dependency on words and letters, pointing directly to the human mind seeing into one's nature and attaining Buddhahood beyond words and letters. Descriptions, words, ideas, thoughts about, but not the thing itself. Not the thing itself. How can we explain a teaching that has been handed down? So how do we hand anything down? in this practice. Hogan Sensei recently gave a talk about this. It's personal. Person to person, mind to mind, holding up a flower, we know that is one expression of this. The very simplicity and ineffability of this essential teaching requires that it be handed on in lineage, in mutual, wordless understanding. There can't be a Zen training program that has exams and certifications with objectives and goals and some demonstrable, measurable mastery. Okay, well, except maybe chief disciple. It can't be handed down by explaining in a didactic sense. It's not like that.
Bai Zhang remained seated in silence. What is Master Bai Zhang communicating to Huang Bo in response to this question? Well, one thing I really appreciated about this koan is how Master Bai Zhang shows that we have a choice about how we respond to questions. We don't have to offer explanatory words, even if the person is literally asking you to explain. As somebody who's been a people pleaser for most of her life, I have so often felt compelled to respond in kind. But I don't have to, right? And explanations anyway don't work very well with the Dharma. We can stay where we are, seated in silence, and work with our zazen, work with what it has to offer us. In his commentary to this part of the koan, Daito Roshi asks, tell me, what is Bajang pointing to? Is it that the teaching handed down cannot be explained? Or did he indeed explain it by remaining seated in silence? The teaching that has been handed down, ineffable, embodied truths, like, what's a stick to a stick? What's a wave to a wave? What is the teaching that has been handed down? It, it's itself. It's Baijang perhaps showing how in response to the question, how do we explain? He does not. He does not explain. Or does he? Now, we don't know exactly when this exchange took place, um, Huang Bo became a teacher in his own right. Um, so was this an exchange between two Zen masters? Um, Huang Bo perhaps testing his teacher to see what's going to be the response when I ask this question? Or was this a sincere question from a more immature and inexperienced Wang Bo, truly asking, truly wondering about that? Um, uh, in the history of these two teachers, um, posthumously, Bai Zhang was uh, given the title Zen Master Great Wisdom, and Huang Bo was given the title Zen Master Removing Limits. So we can't really know for sure, I think. In one sense, in one sense it seems perhaps Wang Bo didn't really get it all the way, uh, which may be why he asks the following question. But again, it depends on what is personally going on between these two people. Are they teachers interacting with one another? Is it a young student? Wondering. So Huang Bo continues. He, he follows up. He sees Bai Zhang sitting still 
in silence, in zazen. And his, he says, if so, what will people in the future receive? Now, this is the part of the koan that brings me to appearances um, and my own experience dealing with appearances. For me, this has been mostly about what it is other people see when they see me um, and how that has informed how I look. It all started with my childhood. Um, I, uh, my, um, on my mother's side, my grandparents were Italian. Um, they uh, were not very accepting um, of me and my twin sister. Um, there was a great deal of drama, um, Italian family drama, particularly around race. Um, they, I had cousins, first cousins' birthday parties. We were not allowed to go. We were not allowed to attend. And we were told outright, um, well, it'd be because, like, what would the neighbors think? You two brown girls showing up at the party for your cousin, for your first cousin. Um, that's, there's a lot there. Um, they're a priest. Um, um, uh, my grandmother was a devout Catholic. She went to church every day. And there was a priest in her life. Uh, Father Michael, I remember Father Michael well as a child, and he helped my grandmother um, so that um, my sister and I were first allowed into my grandparents' home when we were four. <coughs> Race was the reason. Um, there's another ex um, uh, br brief example. Um, we, I said chaotic, we moved a great deal when I was a child. I think uh, maybe 15 times by the time I was uh, 17 years old. Uh, so my mother going apartment hunting was a common experience. Um, and I loved her apartment hunting. I wanted to go. Um, I liked the idea of like going into a space and imagining if I put my bed there... No, I could paint it pink, you know, whatever. I was imagining. And uh, she, was, she was going apartment hunting um, at one, one day, and I said, oh, can I come? And she said, I'm sorry, baby, no. And I was like, well, why not? And she said, well, you know, um, we'll get a better apartment if I go alone. I've also had hundreds of experiences of people asking me, what are you? And I say, a person, human. And the response over and over and over again is, <laughs> but really, what's that? What is that? Why, why, is, why is that so important in our culture? That we figure out what label and category and identity 
and flavor or whatever to put on someone. Why? So that we could have a conversation with them? Do we really need all that? Is that important? Have you ever done it? I encourage you not to. Uh, my last little story about this before I move you know, back to specifically um, Huang Bo is, um, uh, and, and, I, and I do this because of a Sangha member in the audience here, Jordan. Um, when I was a baby lawyer, my first um, job was working at the Legal Aid Society in the South Bronx. I did landlord-tenant litigation. And I, um, I was just so honored to be able to represent people, poor folks, just like I grew up, who were being threatened with losing their home, and to be able to serve them in a way that could identify with, you know, me on the other side of the table, fighting for them. And so I was in court so very early in my career, and I, you know, it was, I had so many cases on for trial that I had one of those blocking things and blocking in with a big briefcase full of cases and there in my suit ready and there's a practice in landlord tenant court probably in most courts except when you get to the fancy higher courts then it's all carpeted but where most people practice not so nice um so people would call out oh the case of joe versus smo smo lawyers were trying to find each other to try and figure out whether they're going to negotiate or whether you were going to trial then right so calling out in the hallway and and uh, an attorney called out the name of the case of one of my clients it was a, a white man attorney just um and um i said oh oh um here here i'm on i'm hearing that and he came over to me and he said oh great hi where's your lawyer So I bring this stuff up a lot. Those of you who know me and who practiced with me for a long time, I thought you might want to understand a little bit more why this is so central. Because I can't seem to forget my own race, not because of me, but because people keep bringing it up in my face. Like, why can't I just exist and like do me and not have to have this question always come up in an uncomfortable way? So I ask you, what did Huang Bo see when he watched Baijiang seated in silence? What did he see? What I'm experiencing in my own practice of stillness and silence may be different from what I assume when I see somebody else sitting, performing that same action. I think this deserves a little bit of investigation. Um, as Zen practitioners, we are sort of conditioned to view stillness and silence as good. It is. It is good. <laughs> um, seeing someone sitting, being still, silent. Where do we go with that, though? How does that appear to us? Shugen Roshi recently, um, in, in one of his talks, shared about an experience um, with a member of our Sangha who was incarcerated. And apparently, they were sitting. They were doing zazen. Um, and the folks in positions of power um, there 
seemed very disturbed by this posture, and they made him stop. Sitting still and silent. Threatening. Hmm. This seems to me to be such a generous gesture, Master Baijiang. No words, no movement. The heart of our practice, the heart, gives us the opportunity to go deep, experience. Zazen, cultivating stillness and patience in myself, has helped me recognize that I do not have to be a slave to my conditioned reactions. There's space there now. There's space. Space to instead determine how to respond, not react, but respond. There's a saying I've come across in my life that um, I find very helpful. Um, uh, and those of you who are words folks and jump into action folks might appreciate, might appreciate it too, so I share it. It's this. Don't just do something. Sit there. Huang Bo said, if so, what will people in the future receive? Bai Zhang said, they will say, you are a true person. What is it to be true? I hear that a lot. This is my truth. I hear that and I understand it. To me, that means a person is expressing their own subjective experience about something. It's, it's personal to them, particular to them. But what does they will say that you are a true person mean from the perspective of the two truths that we've been studying, this ango? What does a true person of the way look like? We get caught up in appearances all the time. In America... My exposure to Buddhism, a black-robed monk, usually male and white, sitting in beautiful alignment and proper zazen form. That seems to be the American image of Zen, right? But when I see that, can I even know, really, by looking, What's going on over there in that mind-body seat? It looks good. Maybe it's good. I hope it's good. I think it's good just to sit still and be silent anyway, but I don't know. So I learned my lessons in American colonialism very well. As an American person of the way, a true person in my mind had this particular European visage. Um, But what about other bodies, brown bodies and disabled bodies and black bodies? And Do they, too, look like true persons of the way? What about mine? What about my body? Race and skin tone and... It matters in our nation's history. It's not just about power and looking behind anger. That is important, but the facts are 
that ethnocentric European folks in power were able to pick out my ancestors, pull them from homelands, almost annihilate the indigenous peoples on this land, on this land, on this land, the one they found here. Put Japanese and Italian people in camps on this land, here. They did not put Finnish people or Brits, to my knowledge. What we all have in common is melanin. It's ironic, and it might be laughable if it were not deeply sad, that I have this internalized, westernized image of what a true practitioner looks like. Ironic because the Zen tradition has been handed down from person to person, mind to mind, to Westerners, from BIPOC folk. And sad because sometimes I can exclude myself. So I sit here as a biracial, black-identified Zen student, and I have to tell you that I am only just learning to let go of these conditioned judgments ingrained from being raised here. I belong here, too, in American Zen. Dharma, with a big, fat, capital D, can't be appropriated. It's not a commodity. The Dharma is not about power. It's about liberation. The Dharma belongs to us all. And the terrible danger, I think, about appearances is that we take them seriously. You know, there are so many teachings about appearances and how, um, how we are looking. We make them into solid things. We go off making judgments and future tripping and on and on and on about what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And we often don't really know what we're seeing half the time. And more often we miss what might be seen. I really appreciate our mindfulness practices. Um, uh, we, we, we think about how we move in space mindfully. We have this beautiful Oriyoki ritual, which is about mindful eating. And I guess I just, you know, I kind of wish we had like a mindful seeing ritual. You know, how would we practice that? <coughs> we have to be careful about these associations that we make about what some, when, when we see something, when we see what someone looks like. Some sentient beings benefit from this more than others. That's why it's important to be careful. I know I have benefited more than others um, in our society, more than my um, darker-hued brothers and sisters, more than my own father who was a dark-skinned black man, who was so much smarter and gentler and eloquent than I will likely ever be. I've had an easier time of it, because I'm like, what? I don't know what you'd call me. Practice at its core, I think, is also about examining our motivations for the assumptions we make. 
What did Huang Bo see? What did he assume? What about us? Are we looking? How are we looking? The Faith Mind poem, I know it's not the koan. I, this is my first koan. So it was, it's been an interesting experience to examine a koan. Uh, the Faith Mind poem says, if you wish to see the truth, then hold no opinions for or against anything. To set up what you like against what you dislike is the dis-ease of the mind. And later on in the poem, there's a line, to return to the root is to find the meaning, but to pursue appearances is to miss the source. I like that. I think that's it. I think that's it there. So I believe the Dharma can help us work together to cultivate what is true, not by explaining, but by living and breathing the richness of our life. The cold wind blew my coat open when I walked over here. The trees were swaying too. Practice and learning one day at a time, moment to moment, mind to mind. I'd like to end where I began, where I began this ongo. Karma is nonlinear and complex. Karma focused on the liberating potential of what the mind is doing with every moment can change lives, can change your life, can change my life. As such, who we are and what we come from is nowhere near as important as our mind's motives for what it is doing right now. Cause and effect are one thing. And what is that one thing? You. That's why what you do and what happens to you are the same thing. Daino Roshi. You are a true person. And you, and you, and you, and you, and me. Me too. There's a verse about this case, and I have requested that Kaiku read it. When the Dharma will turn
old adept closes the gap with their body. Dharma wheel turns, it always goes in both directions, cutting and the inexhaustible lion's roar! How will you use the shepe? Freely. Giving life and taking it away. This is a three-foot-long brown snake. A long time ago, it became a Kanpura flower on Mount Gudakutra. And on Mount Shoran, it became a plum blossom. Sometimes it transforms into a dragon that swallows heaven and earth. Sometimes it transforms into a diamond sword with the freedom to kill and give life. Right now, in accord with the order of my teacher, it lies in my hands. I feel like a mosquito trying to bite an iron bull. However, Being assigned as chief disciple, I have to fulfill my duties. Now, you dragons and elephants in this Dharma hall, confront me in Dharma encounter. Kaiku, you go first. Attention, Shusa. All week long in Sishin, You've been closing the gap, removing the separation with your body, bowing, offering incense, walking the kisaku, sitting zazen. How will it be tomorrow when you're out there? How will you remove the separation? How will you close the gap with your body when you meet the lawyer who can't see that you're a lawyer or the landlord or the person who wants to know, what are you? How do you close the gap? Oh, that's why I asked you. (laughs) Well, I try to stop and see. I try to stop and see. And then if I see an opening, I take it. How do you close the gap? 
I show up. I try and look. What I don't know, I ask. I own my confusion. I try to not know. May your life go well. Thank you for your answer. Attention. I find uh, what you say about this being personal so powerful and validating. And you've also spoken beautifully this week about how the Dharma is for all of us. The Dharma does not discriminate. How can we truly, as a Sangha and as individuals, hold both those things? Truly, I didn't hear the end of your sentence. How can we truly hold both of those truths? When I look up at the sky and it's raining, my face gets wet. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. Um, I feel that the work of um, deconstructing race and um, uprooting oppression is um, inseparable from the Dharma as it is coming into alignment. It's coming into alignment. Um, and uh, being silent is something that I've done all my life. And um, I feel that I've finally found my voice. And um, so I wonder, do you think this koan, this teaching of propagating the Dharma, um, showing the way, the truth, is relevant today? For those of us, like myself, who have been racialized. I don't think it could be more relevant if we are looking honestly, sincerely, wholeheartedly at our original nature which is not burdened by all these conditioned um, habits and constraints and mannerisms that society um, teaches us in our own separate little cells of existence. If we uncover that, if we unpack that, do you think if we each do that, what do you think? How do you see that? I'd like to see that. I'd like to. May your life go well. Thank you for teaching. Attention, Shuso, pilgrimage sister. When the great master Shakyamuni Buddha had his awakening, he had a decision to make, to be silent or to speak. And for decades, 
He spoke hundreds of sutras, thousands of words. Which is the true person? A man or a person of many words or a person of no words? Yes. What's needed? Who is involved? Who's asking questions? May your life go well. Shusa. I feel like I've already been bitten by the snake. Um, <laughs> I came into session in the middle of the week, and I remember your first canton, and I had never met you in person. And when you walked by in silence as we all sat here, there was this wave of love, and I thought, that's kind of cool. And you um, asked us, and your encouraging words at some point, if we felt the love. And the next morning, Kinhin, I felt the same thing from you. And I realized this love is pouring out of this woman. This woman is giving us this love. So as he sat in silence, my question is, was he, he didn't share words, but what did he share sitting there in silence? He was alive. May your life go well. Attention. So, so uh, I'm a real beginner in this practice. And so this question for me, was, which has come up every time I go to Daisan or Dokusan, is how do I ask for the teaching which has been handed down? My practice is very straightforward. I, try to focus on my breath and come back to it. And, you know, in my life, I try to behave myself. I actually didn't hear the end in your life you tried to. Oh, I, I, I try to behave myself. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> when, when this is my practice, what, what, what more is there to, to ask about? What more is there? Bring your life into Dokusan. What's happening with you? What are you feeling, living, experiencing? Are you all in? Doubts? Questions about how to negotiate something? Bring it all in there. No separation. May your life go well. Thank you for your answer. Attention, Shuso. Um, I don't. I don't behave myself. Um, I don't like behaving myself. I don't. Um, you know. I also went to law school, and I think what I got out of it was that laws are made by bodies of old white men with vested interests, with Calvinist values, building utility on 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 what where there can be monetary gain so you know what is what what can you do about that what 
What will you do about that? Is it important? I don't know. Um, but um, it doesn't feel good to stay silent. Um, and How will you speak? I also don't know. Um, but it seems, it seems like it's important to do something even when we put our body in the line, on the line, which doesn't always seem to be in accordance with his teaching. You know, I've gotten up in the face of many a Sangha member about um, not, being, not being as vigilant, not, uh, not seeing into the emptiness of... Putting our body, mind, and heart on the line is what it's all about. Putting it all on the line. And yet my teachers say, I'm not the one. I'm, I, I'm the one that should be letting go. I'm, I'm the one that's clinging and grasping. I'm the one that's creating suffering. You're a true person. What will you do about it? Be the change. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. Attention. A true person or not a true person, I, I don't know how to think about that. I know what I feel when my heart feels open, and I know what I feel when my heart feels shut down and closed. It, am I on the right path with that? Being aware of how you're responding to your life is definitely the right path. But a true person is not just in this Dharma hall. True people are everywhere. They don't have to be Zen practitioners. May your life go well. Thank you. Attention, Shusu. Does that work? Yeah. There is silence and silence. The silence in this koan can be frightening or deafening and bring, I mean, I see that answer as just the Zazen transmission. There is no Zen without Zazen. It was coming back to me constantly reading it. No. It makes 23 years that I am learning how to do Zazen or Zazen doing me. That true person Somehow, what does she need or they need in order to bring to the marketplace after that silence? After that? What do you need? What do you need to bring 
to that place. Skills. The world needs skills that I will develop in Zazen. But as everybody knows, I will hurt. I will make mistakes. I will see them for what they are and do more Zazen. This is our path. The joy, the seeing, the pain. In it, in it all. The juicy way in. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. <laughs> Listen, it seems that Wangbo saw in Baijiang sitting silently the true person that is beyond name and form. So when the adept closes that gap with their body, they're bringing that true person that's alive in everyone as an example. And my question from my personal upbringing, where I learned to deny myself personhood, to exclude myself, like you say, is how can one be sure that the name and form by inhabiting this body don't become a hindrance? I, I actually didn't hear the, the last part of your question. Could you repeat it? How can name and form not become a hindrance inhabiting this life? Words, name, form, what's alive? Thank you for your teaching. May your life go well. Attention. Over here. <laughs> Back here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have uh, three questions. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> what did Huang Bo pass down and back to future generations? Huang Bo became a uh, Zen master in his own right. So his life, in one way, in one sense, he passed. He gave everything he had. He gave his life to the Dharma. And in this statement, was he watering down Zen? I'm sorry. In his question, was he watering down Zen? You don't like Wang Bo's question? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. No, I'm just wondering if you. If you think he watered it down, because you, you said you weren't sure if he was, uh, you know, a student yet, or if he had been become a master already, and what will the what will the people in the future receive? It's a good question. It's a good question, right? I, you know, Daito Roshi must have been asking this question. You know, what, what will the people in the future receive here on this mountain? I think, I think, it's, I think it's a bodhisattva question. Hmm. Well. Third question? <laughs> uh, we went a different direction, but <laughs> I... Um, 
my Dharma sister is here and she's female and her name will not be left unsung. How does that land with you? I think you have to repeat the last part that you said because I didn't hear the question. How does that land? How does that land with you? Oh, I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. I do too. When 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 the Dharma wheel turns, it always goes in both directions. How do you see that in relationship to the question you just asked? Thank you for your life. May your life go well. Attention. In my life, my version of what are you is, do you have a wife? No, I have a husband. Sometimes that is so scary. In my classrooms, my students ask me that sometimes. Mister, do you have a wife? Starts young. And politicians want to make my marriage illegal and are chipping away. They want to chip away at my rights. How to, yeah, and my practice is to, to be a true person and be, be the example for that kid because I grew up in Davenport, Iowa, and it was a sin to be gay. My love was a sin. And how do I be an example for that kid sitting there who maybe has parents who are telling them to be a sin and to have the courage to say, no, I have no wife? You're living your life with those kids. You're you. And if you are able to share who you are, won't you help that child? Won't they appreciate knowing they're not alone in their struggle and there are other people who are living this challenge as well, this foolish, idiotic challenge? How, uh, how uh, The Dharma does not put constraints on love. Our practice is about love at its heart of life. Of humanity, we need the Dharma. I don't think antelope do, you know? No, because, like, you know, we grow up with all this conditioning. So if you show up, may your life go well. Attention, sister. I go by um, many names, um, Sandy and Joshin and Mom, and to my husband, it's Honey. Um, and I um, have been frustrated and angry and self-righteous and joyful and funny. Um, where do I rest? In which one of these places, in which one of these names do I find a place to just rest? You're all of it, though. 
Are you going to take off one part? Are you going to leave Sandy out the door to be mom? Are you going to leave Joshin in the Zendo to go home and be honey? Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Can you, though? Is it like that, Joshin? No. No. Is there rest? Live it. Live it. If you are fully you in all your roles, and I'm sure that you, there are more than the four you mentioned, right? We've got lots of cells we're carrying around with us. I know I've got at least 16 of them up here right now with me. <laughs> right? If we're in them and they're friends, is that exhausting? Making friends? May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. Attention, Shusa. Bai Jang remained seated in silence. If he had used words, what could he have said? Oh, I'm no Zen master. <laughs> that being the case, what would you say? It's beyond words. It's beyond words and letters. Bodhidharma taught us that. Can words really reach it, Busan? No. May your life go well. Thank you. Shuso. (laughs) Dharma sister. I... I survived my childhood by not using words, by never using words. And so my question is, that's a different silence than the Zen master. How do I make that change? I think that it being personal to each of us, there's no one way, right? For me, because I have to work with words in a particular way because of my karma. And you have a different road around words. And you're already on it and doing that. So it can't be the same. It can't be the same. While we have so much in common, we also have, each of us, our own stories, our own obstacles, our own um, experiences of living the catastrophe, as Daito Roshi might say. And we have to work with that in, in skillful ways. And so I don't think the Dharma is one size fits all. I can only speak from my own experience. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. May your life go well.
being immature and insufficient in training, I didn't expect to be assigned chief disciple. I feel as if a crime has been committed that fills the heavens and there, is, there isn't a place on earth for me to hide. I hope there is enough water in the usopus for you to rinse out my words from your ears. Water flows and returns to the sea. Well done, Shuso. Well done. For Chike, like the sweet morning dew, took one look at you, and it was plain to see that this moment would come to be. You at that seat, it means the world to me. Take care, TCB. To you, Chike, congratulations. Shuso, like the high sky of September, you brought clarity into my zazen. Like burning colors of October mountain, you empowered me on this diamond seat. Like the full moon in the November sky, sorry, November night, you shine my path that I am on. The bowels of gratitude for you. Congratulations. I think all these words have already been spoken, but still, TK, this is my poem to you. Dear Dharma sister, black like me, you cannot know the impact that you have had on me. Encouragement as love, TK. This is you. So there was no surprise hearing your encouragement during this session. You offer love. Do you feel it? Zazen is love. This Sangha is love. That's what you say. Yes, I feel it. Through you, as you, within me. I have been feeling your loving Dharma support for years now. I look forward to receiving your discourses, for I know they will lift my, my spirits as encouragement, GK. This is you to me. Congratulations. The cold has come again and at last. But here, our space, the one we hold together, the one we hold with you, is warm, well-lit. The fire of the Dharma you practice and you live is here. A refuge you help sustain. Sustaining you, the fire, the lotus, the mud, perfection. Congratulations. For Shuso Chike, your glowing smile Shining eyes and open heart embrace all. Seeing a clear way through the forest, you tirelessly clear the way. You are not afraid of the difficult work. 
for even as we snag our robes, you untangle the thorny brambles. Your love for Sangha shines from your radiance. Take in our great love for you. Congratulations, Dharma sister. Chike, how do you do it? <laughs> One day, blazing fierce as the sun, the next day, shining quiet as the moon, speaking truth to power like a crack of thunder, and offering a fresh breeze of kind encouragement. You've given this mountain your labor of love, and the mountain loves you for it. Congratulations, Shuso. Dear Chief Disciple, she disappears into the crowd again, just mountain lion tracks heading over the cliff. I see a bright open sunrise, her cubs fed sweet nectar, and all beings are seen and fed and appreciated. Raising the sword, this true justice is not blind, just no eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, or mind. The people are ready. The train pulls in. True justice and freedom begins with love, sustained by love. Congratulations, Shusa. Dear Dharma sister, who can say why in her wild wisdom she raised her eyes to the night sky and let the light of stars fill her soul. Who can say why her compassionate heart became visible and alive and she trusted its beat? Who can say why her journey of fits and starts became a thunderbolt shot from Bodhidharma's bow, exploding our myths of privilege and righteousness. Looking, she sees. Hearing, she hears. Tears and laughter. True to her being, she offers with both hands the money jewel. For chief disciple Chike, in this fine dream, she cuts onions open, melts down with honey candles, rises up with royal ease, being in awe with the law. She showers loving kisses on the blessed wild fox. Congratulations. For Chike, this wisdom jewel shines. A mountain sits into silence. She illuminates the valley. A city leans into the day's work. Fearless within the vines, she evens the uneven and sees sacredness within the forsaken. This wisdom jewel is a raft for all those in need. Please don't wait for a better time. Come closer 
and witness a true person riding the clouds here today. Congratulations. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats, and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.